This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. I regret to inform you, you're on Chapel Probation, a podcast that usually takes a look at evangelical colleges and universities. Today, though, we have our first fiction writer, John Turney. I'm your host, Scott Okamoto. Greetings, reprobates. So a couple months ago, I had uh, Nat Turney on this podcast when his book, The Seeds of Deconstruction, One Troublemaker's Journey from Religious Certainty to Liberating Doubt, came on, came out, sorry. And you might remember that I was a guest on the This Is Not Church podcast, hosted by the Turney brothers, Nat, and his brother and today's guest, John. This time, John has a book coming out, and it's my first conversation with a fiction writer. Yep. Uh, John's book, RJ the Astronaut, is due out on February 13th, and it's a fascinating read. It follows the day-to-day thoughts of an astronaut stranded on a ship who finds conversation with uh, something, someone, God, the Trinity, his own mind, you decide. And it brings up all manner of topics like theology, religion, morality, and identity. Now, I've mentioned how much I love the Turney brothers. First of all, they're my age, which is like old. But most most people I talk to in this deconstruction world are a good 10, 10 plus years younger, sometimes more. <clears throat> and I love them all dearly. Um, But when I talk to people my age, there are just more cultural references that we understand. Like today, we talk about Striper, (laughs) Um, among other things. So the Turneys love music, obviously, and they love the music that I love. And uh, we have definitely bonded over that. And it's not a contest, but Nat Turney's episode was pretty cool. And as you'll hear in a minute, so is John's episode uh, my name is John Turney. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I identify myself as a human being, author, podcaster, musician. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Lover, lover of people. There we go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the episodes where you don't have to say, it's like a confessional. Yeah. So I went to you know, Liberty, <laughs> or I went to yeah. Well, APU. I mean, luckily for me, I didn't do any of that. I, uh, um, I didn't. I did I never thought I would even go to college because I was a horrible high school student. And uh, when I met my wife, she had transferred uh, or she had moved here to go to Humboldt State University, which is now ah. uh, Cal Poly Humboldt. But um, right, um, I had no intention. But she decided she couldn't afford it, so she went to College of the Redwoods, which is a community college here. And she convinced me to go ahead and and try out the community college, which I enjoyed uh, tremendously. Uh, there's, I don't know about, I would recommend anybody who's concerned or, or does, doesn't know how they want to go in a direction with college, go to a JC because yeah. it's a really cool jumping point. You're treated, um, 
a little bit better than a high school student, but they still kind of structure, right? They still kind of help you along. And so I was able to, uh, as a bad student, which I was in high school, to actually get an associate's degree. Um, I did then try to jump to the university and then felt almost instantly like I became a number, right? Because universities are yeah. bigger, the, the classrooms are larger. And at some point I realized I was walking around this. I, I just, I'm too shy to be in a university. That's my problem. I'm too, I'm too introverted. And I would realize at the end of each day that I didn't open my mouth and speak all day. Cause that's just, that's just who I am. <laughs> yeah. And I got really despondent and really kind of like, and then, you know, by this time I was married, my wife was pregnant and I'm like, why am I doing this? I need to start making money. So yeah. we can have a family. So I, I, I dropped out. Um, I was like a three year senior, never always changing my, um, my major, never yeah. happy with what I was doing. So I just, I just dropped out. So yeah, I, I, I can say I'm a, I'm a, I have a college degree and associates, but my wife is the yeah. one with the, uh, my wife has the, the double BA. She has a teaching credential. She has an admin credential. Oh, so we do live nice. in California and I've let her know this, that, you know, California is a community property state. So I just assume one of her bachelors as my own. Yeah. Yeah. You can share. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, well, it's great to have you on You're You're, as we were saying before we started recording, you're my first author of a fiction work, which we'll get to. And I think yeah. if we do this right, the conversation will sort of weave its way from your beginnings to how you became an, an author of, of right. a novel yeah and um, because the novel is is very much about faith and questioning and a whole bunch of things right um, so so we had your brother on yeah and he talked a little bit about your upbringing but y'all grew up um, in a pretty um do I have it right like a moderate Christian family like like it, yeah, it wasn't well, like culty and stuff like some of the, my other guests. No, I mean, so like, and and I, you know, I have to go back and look at our memory, my memory of our of our childhood sometimes because I, 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 my dad is so religious that sometimes I forget that when my parents got married, my dad was not religious at all. My dad, I don't know mm -hmm. if I would say he was atheist, but he was definitely agnostic. Uh, so the first five years of my life, that you know, that and most of that I don't remember, but. Uh, my dad didn't go to church. He wasn't a church person at all. Uh, there was a conversion. Uh, there was a situation where my dad um, became a Christian when I was about five, five or six, probably. And so my dad says that one of the, one of the things that you know, really made him start questioning his, you know, his faith was, you know, my mom would take my brother Nat and I to church and, you know, either Nat or I would ask my dad, well, why aren't you going? And so he felt like maybe there was something in this that he should he should look into, and uh, he started going to a Bible study. This is during the Jesus movement in the seventies, um, so yep. it's like the uh, the post hippie trying to find their their connection to the divine, I think. And so he Did ended you have up in that a Bible called the Way. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. With, with the hippies on the front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> my parents so, had that too. <laughs> so, um, so my parents end up going to this Bible study, and it's all this. It's just this, like, just this mix of people from different backgrounds trying to find who they think Jesus is, right? And for, you know, for a heartbeat, it it was amazing. 
Um, and I look back at it. I remember like running around with the other kids and playing with the other kids while they were doing this Bible study. And my dad had that, that, that experience within that Bible study that, that created the, this moment for him. And he tells it they're in like this upper room of this apartment and there's a lightning storm and it's, mm. it's so windy that it's moving this apartment, right? That that's shaking. And my dad says something, you know, like, if there really is a God, I just need you to let me know. And of course, at that moment, the whole room lights up yeah. right, with a lightning flash and then the power goes out. So right after the lightning flash, the power goes out and the whole room goes dark. And my dad's like, okay, that's good enough for me. And so that was his sign that maybe maybe there's something real in this, this oh. idea of, of faith. Um, but as all movements do, this, this Jesus movement also kind of went, went astray. And I and I have very good memories of this becoming um, from this like really open, free, uh, just acceptance of everybody where they are to like, well, yeah, but we can't accept that. Right. So the rules started dropping. And yep. by the time we ended up at Faith Center, um, a four square church, uh, all the rules were back in place. Right. And so it was, you know, you need to control your children, you need to dress appropriately, you need to you know, really look at what kind of music you're listening to. Um, and so I'm like, definitely preteen at this point. And uh, I just start asking questions, because I that's just who I am. I ask questions, nothing, nothing makes sense to me until I can like really delve deep into it. And that's been who I am my whole life. And so and this is a story I, I wasn't told until I was much older. Um, when I was about seven or eight, you know, I'm asking questions, just just questions that a seven or eight year old would have as, as they're telling you these Bible stories, right? So you hear the story of Adam and Eve and they are who populate the planet. And I just want to know, you know, I don't understand sex at this point in my, but I understand <laughs> that a man and a woman come together and somehow they make yeah. a baby. And I'm like, right. okay, well, Adam and Eve had children. Who did their children have kids with? Right? It's just a basic, just weird question. Yeah, it's and, it's and, math. Right. And, and I'm told, well, that's, you know, God took care of that. And, you know, these are the kind of questions I ask, right? Again, yeah. again, after and Noah's good flood. Questions. Right. And after Noah's flood, you have the same situation. Or, right. you know, these are the kinds of questions. They were like juvenile questions, but they were concerning enough to me that I'm like, I don't understand this. I don't get this. Uh, there's yeah. a snake in the in the in the garden who tricks Eve into eating some kind of fruit. I mean, yeah. And then, of course, they're trying to tell you that that's Satan, which you know, as we learn later, there's there's no definition that that is Satan or the devil or whatever. So these are the kind of questions I'm asking. And apparently, my parents were called into the pastor's office and asked to talk to me and tell me to not ask all these questions. That's not what Sunday school's for. Oh, Sunday shit. school is a place to put children while the, the adults talk about the theological stuff. You know, you you go with your felt board, you watch the little stories, you know, you drink yep. your juice, you eat your sing, cookies, sing some songs, sing some songs and don't f forget that they're telling you some, sometimes some really horrific stories in a very juvenile way. Like, you know, the sacrificing of Isaac or, um, um, is that right? Isaac. Yeah. 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 Uh, Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. Right. Uh, the flood of no or Noah's flood, Jonah being swallowed yeah. by a whale or a fish. There's a lot of right? violence. Right. Yeah. But they wash over it in a very juvenile way. So my yeah. parents never told me about this meeting. 
But kids so are. Did intuitive. your parents ask the pastor like how do I how do we answer my kids' questions? And that's why I don't came think up so. To, I don't think so. I mean, I think oh, um, you were I just asking were just, them in Sunday school. Yeah, I was just asking these questions, and I might have been asking my parents too. I don't. I actually don't recall if I did or not. Um, oh, but, so you got labeled the troublemaker early on, right? Yeah. And I'm usually a quiet person. Questions. So, <laughs> so even though my parents never had a conversation with me about, hey, we the pastor had this conversation with us and we need to really, you know, you know, this just, you know, don't ask these questions. Kids are intuitive. And I already under I was starting to understand that I couldn't ask these questions. So I just kind of shut up and just went along for the ride. And I did that as long as I could. And as I became a teenager, uh, obviously experimenting with different things, uh, trying to live two different lives. I had a very, you know, a very close knit family and a very close group of friends that were all Christian. But then I kind of broke out from that and was starting to hang out with some people who, you know, within the Christian world will say we're doing some very questionable things, uh, you know, something as benign as listening to heavy metal music, uh, Ooh, as, yeah. or as within this world, you know, smoking marijuana. Uh, you know, occasionally sneaking a drink here and there, uh, experimenting with other drugs. Um, I I was lucky enough that I never liked the way I felt on drugs, um, other than marijuana. I really like that. <laughs> but um, as I tried, as I tried other things, I just didn't like the way they made me feel. So I never became, yeah. it never became important in my life. But I definitely wanted to try. Because yeah. if I could find that one thing that made me feel good, I might have stayed with it. But uh, they all just made me feel like I was out of control or not under control. And that's control. interesting because the message they tell us, especially back then, was there's this crazy slippery slope that if you try something, you're gonna, it's going to take over your life and right. you're going to have no control over it. And Satan's going to basically be a, a doorway for Satan to enter you. And, um, and you were kind of disproving that just through your exploration of, of right. life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were stupid. You know, I went to friends' houses. We had uh, pill parties, right, where everyone stole whatever pills they could from their family's oh, medicine chest. And you didn't know what you were taking. You just popped a bunch you of pills. No, I could be taking diuretics. I could be taking yeah. uh, pain pills. I could be taking antibiotics. Birth control. Right. Yeah, exactly. But we thought it was cool, right? It was like, we don't know what we're taking. Wow. We could, we could okay, really yeah. mess ourselves up. And they didn't uh, have the internet, so you couldn't look up, you know. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, but for the most part, you know, you know, when my wife and I first started dating, um, she was pretty clean cut. She hadn't done a lot of, she, you know, she smoked cigarettes. So did I, we drank, but outside of that, she hadn't done much. So one day she asked me, you know, what all I had, what all I had tried. And I said, let me just tell you, it's easier for me to tell you what I haven't tried. <laughs> and I said, so I have never stuck a needle in my body. <clears throat> I said, outside of that, I might have experimented in everything I could find. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, it all made me feel, um, like I, I couldn't control myself. So I, it, it just was never part of my, so, you know, we have, you know, we always talk to those people. It's like, well, I went down, I was like horribly into drugs. I became addicted and all that. Yeah. I had a questioning life as I left the church, but I never, I never did that. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to pretend like that was part of my lifestyle. Um, because that would be disingenuous to people who actually did go down those paths and those darker paths. But it was about 18 or 19 when I really started becoming really disillusioned with the church. And um, 
I went on a mission trip to Jamaica. It was right out, I think it was like 1988, Jamaica had a horrific um, hurricane come through. And so we, as a, as a group, and we got, we partnered with uh, some people from Canada and we all went to this uh, camp in Jamaica under the guise that we were going to help them rebuild it, which honestly, uh-huh. I don't think we did a, a damn thing. I think we kind of hung out and did some uh, singing with them, but I don't, I don't remember doing anything that helped rebuild anything. Like we went to a little village and tried to, you know, evangelize them. Uh, and in this, uh, at this camp, obviously it was separate. It was co- it was co-ed, but separated. So the women were on one side, the men were on, uh, the boys were on one side, the girls were on one side. And so during one of the nights uh, on the girls' side, there was this like crazy, um, singing and praising God that became like very vocal and loud. And some of the children started using some of the language from their local religion. And uh, our, our leader, our youth leader or our church leader uh, shut it down and said, you know, this isn't appropriate. This is, this is, this is dark magic, whatever you want to call it. And oh, when shit. I, when I heard all that, I was like, I was like, but this is their, they're connecting to the, to the divine in the best way they know how, the way they were raised. And I really right. questioned it. And so that next morning we had like our morning service and their church or their camp leader was leading uh, worship that day. And it was a Jamaican man. And uh, I kind of zoned out because I, I, um, I don't like Christian music, <laughs> praise music. Um, and in that zoning out, I had this vision or image of him up on the stage with his arms out and he was being sacrificed because he wasn't the right type of Christian. And so I went to our leaders and I said, Hey, I just had this moment. I don't, I think it means something. I don't think we're here to do what you think we're here to do. I think we're here to just accept them and love them and tell them who Jesus is. We're not here to get our ticket, you know, checked on how many people we saved. I don't think that's our job here. And I was completely blown off. Uh, they're like, no, we need to save all these children. And I'm like, I, and again, I was like, I don't think that's why we're here. I think we're here to show them the love of Jesus and that's it. And um, with them just blowing me off and telling me that what I saw wasn't real or what didn't mean anything was kind of the nail and the final nail in the coffin for me. So I left Jamaica completely disillusioned with the idea of church religion and i walked away from it um mind you at the moment at this moment i was in a christian rock band with my brother we were literally working on our demo we were all talking about moving to seattle because our guitar player said seattle's the next big thing and this is pre-nirvana this is yeah uh, it was brewing yeah and uh so we finished this demo and i'm completely disillusioned i'm dating at this time i'm dating my now wife who's an atheist uh and um, the proverbial shit hits the fan. And uh, that was that was the year that my brother and I barely spoke. Uh, and it, uh, uh, I lost my best friend in in this in this moment, um, because when I uh, asked my wife to marry me, um, I of course, I, I had just been the best man at my best friend's wedding. So I asked him to be the best man at my wedding. He said yes. Um, about a week later, I get a phone call. He's like, "Hey, you know, my wife and I have been praying about this, uh, and I, I just need you to know I can't be the best man at your wedding because you're you're not marrying within the faith." And I was like, 
okay, well, all right, I'll find somebody else. Well, I'll see you at the wedding. And he's like, no, we're not coming. Fuck. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So at the same time, we're trying to finish this demo. That we have this idea that one of the songs needs like almost like a crowd sound in the background singing along with us. So we invited all of our significant others, but I was told I could not invite my wife because she wasn't a Christian. And so this is, this was my brother and my biggest issue that we've yeah. ever had. And so I didn't invite her. She knew why she wasn't invited. I did it anyway, which in hindsight, I should have walked away at that point. I should have told them all to F off and walk away. But I was so into getting this thing done that I didn't, I, I, I didn't realize my mistake. Hmm. And so at the end of all that, I was hurt. My wife or fiance at the time was hurt. Um, and so I completely separated from all of them, uh, including my brother. So for a year, my brother and I didn't even speak. Um, and it was probably one of the hardest years of my life trying to figure out how to navigate this world without my best friend, my literal best friend, uh, the person that, you know, I did everything with. And it took a year for my brother to realize that he, he really messed up and that he came to my wife and apologized. Uh, it took a little bit, a little bit longer for us to get to the point where we could all be around each other and trust that we, you know, we'd be okay. Yeah. And at that point, that's when I, I completely left the church. I had wanted nothing to do with God. Um, I, I call myself an atheist. Um, I don't think I ever really was. I think I was definitely an agnostic, which I still am to this day. Um, but that was a hard, that was a hard time. Um, my brother knew just not to bring up religion. My parents knew not to bring up religion. And so, um, I spent that time trying to find, right? So you, you, if you're raised in religion and then you just walk away from it, everyone thinks that, you know, that we're doing this because we hate God. We yeah, hate we faith. Uh, we want to go out. Yeah. And do all the debauchery and be a horrible person. I spent yeah. the next 30 plus years trying to fill the hole that was religion. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I tried out, you know, different faiths. I, uh, I followed the, the Buddhist faith. Hindu faith. I was a Taoist. You know, I found, wow. you know, I went into, I, I actually went into, uh, took some classes while I was in college in world religions, literally trying to find a faith that I thought had a better answer. And unfortunately they all let you down to, to some yeah. degree. Um, yeah. and, um, and everyone was like, well, did you ever try, um, Islam? And I was like, no. And the only reason I didn't is because it, as I looked into it, it looked to me just like Christianity. It was just as, dogmatic just yeah. as scary you know there was all these um super conservative muslims yeah. um it's just as so, diverse too right as christianity yeah. so i didn't i didn't even try it because i was like i've already done that i yeah. did that in the christian faith i, I don't yeah. feel like i'd be any more comfortable there you know and again in Mormonism? hindsight looking back uh, my wife was raised Mormon, uh, and oh, she so. she uh, hated was, it, so never. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but within the Christian faith, you know, I, there are things that I I find amazing and wonderful. So, like within Catholicism, sure. I I see things that are beautiful, uh, but I also see things that are horrific, right? And I see that yeah. in most. So, at the end of the yeah. day, I was probably closest to Buddhism. I was uh, the Buddha for me seemed to have the uh, the most acceptable answer for the way this universe works and the way we sure. connect with each other. So, yeah. And Jesus uh, kind of cribbed from Buddhism in the, right. the attitudes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so, so for me, as uh, and I'm, I'm taking a long time to get up to where um, this all kind of converges. So, well, wait, let me I, stop you for a second because okay, yeah. I got to tell you, during your brother's interview a few months ago, uh-huh. as he was talking about his journey, he compliment, and you may already know this, but he complimented you and said you saw through the bullshit and walked away. And he, and I think he said that took courage and um, vision that that you had that he he didn't. And he was, he was admiring of that. And yeah, yeah he, it was kind of an aside, but it, it really stood out to me. So while you were talk, talking about all this searching, you yeah. should know, and you maybe you already do that that your brother really admired you for that. In in hindsight, not maybe not at the time, but yeah, right, today, right. And for sure. we, we've had we've had some conversations, and and one of the things that and my wife sometimes loves this about me and hates this about me is like when I make a decision, I'm a hundred percent in. I'm a hundred percent. So like when I was for Jesus, you know, and doing all that, I was the guy who walked into high school every day wearing, cause I wanted to be a hundred percent in, even though I'm doubting through this whole time, I'm trying to yeah. show this, this facade that I'm a hundred percent in. So I didn't, I wore striper shirts every day. I, you know, I try to have the rocker look, right. But yeah. I'm wearing striper or, um, res band or, uh, I don't know if you remember the band, the Daniels, the Daniels band. Um, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, those were the shirts I wore, but I still did the whole like heavy metal look, right. I had the flannel yeah. tied around my, my waist. I had the, the, yeah. the, the, the jeans, I had the combat boots, the hat on backwards, but yeah. I'm, I'm like a hundred percent thrown out the Christian rock or the Christian metal. Yeah. Uh, but then when I'm, then when I was out, I was a hundred percent out. Right. And to the detriment sometimes of relationship. Right. So I had a very rocky relationship with my parents because they're very, very, uh, very strong in their faith. Um, and every once in a while, my dad would do the whole like, hey, why don't you come to church with us? And I'm like, dad, no, it's not happening. It's not. No. It's not happening. He never he never like pressured me into it. But, you know, if we'd be out having breakfast or something, he's like, hey, why don't you come to church on Sunday? And it was always no, no. And um so you fast forward well, to oh go, go ahead. Oh, I was no, just going to say, re- religion kind of forces you to be one hundred percent either way, though, because you, you right. can't really yeah. you can't, you can't really be lukewarm, do, right? It's in the teaching, yeah. right? <laughs> and so once you just once you go down that path of doubt and questioning, it's it's kind of determined for you, right? You you right. don't there's not a space for that as you found right. out early on. So. Yeah. Yes, you may you may have this personality thing where you do things one hundred percent, but part of, at least part of that, as far as the faith, was sort of predetermined by the way it's set up. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so I'll go, I'll go back to the end of that really quick because um, yeah, yeah. the the mission trip was not necessarily the final. I I forgot about this whole moment, and I, I've written about it, but. Uh, not not in this book, but I've written about it before. So the, the actual final cough, uh, nail in the coffin is I was living this dual life, right? I had my Christian friends. And I had my non-Christian friends. I was mm-hmm. being super religious over here and drinking and smoking weed over on this side and hanging out with these people. And I thought I was handling it really well, right? That no one could tell that there was these dual lives going on with me. And uh, it, was a, it was a Sunday. I was at church. And our youth group would always do this. You know, we're not really, I guess it wasn't really a youth group, right? Because we're all like 18, 19 years old right now, but we're still hanging yeah. out as a group, right? So it was, yeah. it was like a pre-college group, I guess you'd say. And um, they're like, hey, why don't we all go over to their house for a barbecue? Awesome. Great. That's really cool. 
And one of the things that about their place is they had a, they lived on a cul-de-sac. So we didn't, we always would carpool because there just wasn't a lot of place to park. And uh, for some reason I ended up driving myself. Like I wasn't, I didn't end up carpooling with anybody. And as I get to their house, there are a lot of cars, which I thought was weird. So I walk in and everyone's sitting in the front room, just chit chatting. And I come in, I sit down to, and to find out that this is not a barbecue, this is an intervention. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And it's the whole, you know, you're, you're on the slippery slope, you're heading down, you're heading towards, you know, a path towards hell, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, multiple conversations from my fellow, you know, teenagers on how they feel I'm ruining my life. And something inside me broke. And I knew the only way out was to play their game. And so I broke down. I started crying and said, yeah, I'm living a horrible life. I was brought into the kitchen by the, the husband and we prayed and he prayed for me to be, to, to reach back to God. And, and I, the whole time I'm listening to this prayer, I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm a hundred percent done. I just got to uh, get so through this. So you're just this. going along with it to get right. Through. I just, right. I just went out of this house and oh, I figured shit, the easiest yeah. way for me to get out of this house is yeah. to play along. So I did it. Yeah. I walked out, shut that door officially done with Christianity. And, um, mm. it was, it was a heartbreaking moment. And, um, uh, and that was when I realized I was going to lose all these friends. Um, people I've known oh. since, you know, like I was five and, um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was part of it. And it was just, it was time to go. I was inspired by John's story about taking some pills from the medicine cabinet. So I got a, got a couple here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pop them. I'm not reading the labels. So, um, okay. Um, running all up. So yeah. Nothing like Christian love on, on mission trips, right? When John, oh, this is a, it's kind of bitter. Um, let me take this pink one. Gosh, that one's better. Oh, it's kind of nice. Mm. When, <clears throat> back to the point. When John saw the sincerity of people praising God in their native tongue, he saw them as people, real human beings. But his dipshit pastor, no, the pastor saw people as marks to be converted to not just Christianity, but to Americanness. Yeah, fuck that guy. To John's credit, he saw what the pastor was saying. Oof, this one doesn't taste good. He saw what the pastor was saying and he left. And having his friends turn their back on him in the name of Jesus. Oh, fuck. God, that, that broke my heart. And when his friends had an intervention that must have been awful it was both a betrayal and a cult-like ritual to get him to conform to acceptable behaviors because it's not about belief or faith to most of these christian communities i promise you that if you've been to a worship service or a chapel service at a christian school or church or whatever your beautiful spiritual high was at one time or another provided by a musician or group of musicians who were stoned, were drunk. Lots of stories there. It's just math. And if my anecdotal evidence is anywhere near accurate, a good chunk of those people were queer. 
but you still got your spiritual high either way. Hey, do you hear an orangutan singing the Gilmore Girls theme song in Spanish? Uh, he's the one standing behind the five-foot-tall tie-dyed butt plug in my doorway. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna go get some coffee and uh, continue on. What is it you want to me to reconcile myself to? I was born here almost 60 years ago. I'm not gonna live another 60 years. You always told me it takes time. It has taken my father's time, my mother's time. My uncle's time. My brother's and my sister's time. My nieces and my nephew's time. How much time do you want for your progress? I hate you, naturally. And I hate black people. Things are going to get worse before they get better. What is presented to me as an American does not look like me. Because you're not allowed to be a black man in corporate America. You give us a hard time for being white and being American and being in control. And when you live under a situation like that constantly, uh, and then you ask me you know, whether I approve of violence, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. And you know what? We need a space where we can debrief some of it and deconstruct. If you've been looking for a POC-centered podcast that engages with intersectionality, religion, critical race theory, and some hip-hop culture, then you need to check out Profane Faith. I'll be your host, Daniel Whitehodge, and we go in every other week. So check us out wherever you find your podcasts, or check us out at whitehodgepodcasts.com to see what other platforms we're on. Cool? Aye. Peace. So now I'm going to fast forward. Uh, I'm married. I have kids. My daughter is just about to start high school. I don't know how I'm going to get her to high school every day. My wife and I both work. We're trying to figure this out. I'm outside my house um, trying to work on our water system. Our water system was down, and I'm trying to figure out why it's not working. I think that the water filter is clogged, so I'm trying to get this water filter off. I'm getting mad. I can't get the filter cover off. I'm angry. I have my wife out there. My kids are out there. I'm having my wife hold the pipes. I'm like, I'm just going to pull this thing till it till it um, comes off. And I'm pulling with all my might, and it's in gravel. I've dug my legs and my feet into the gravel so I have a good stance, and the, the wrench breaks in my hand. And it spins me sideways, but my feet stay straight. Oh, shit. And I, and I snap my leg. I have a spiral fracture, oh, which I, I didn't know this till later in the day, right? Oh. So I go get that. I get this. I have to end up having surgery. Um, I'm I'm well enough to drive by the time my daughter goes to school. So now I'm driving her to school every morning because I'm off work. So I go to I drop her off at school. I meet my parents for breakfast every morning, and my dad starts asking me if I would be willing to read these books by these authors that he really likes, like Tozer and Chesterton and. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis, and I'm like, Dad, I have no interest in reading any books by old English white guys. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of he kind of wears me down to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'll read a book by C.S. Lewis because at least I know who he is. You know, I'd read the Narnia books by now. Yeah. So I end up reading Mere Christianity, and it is it's an amazing book. It really is. Um, it's you know it's the apologetic look of the faith, and so he was able to answer a lot of my questions within that book. And so I'm having this, this experience of faith, like reigniting my faith. And, uh, to the point where I'm like, you know what, I think I want to try this again. So I'm like 40, 45 years old, somewhere in in my forties for sure. 
And so I do. I end up uh, reaching out to my brother saying, hey, I think I want to give this church thing a go again. He's like, don't go to church. Not yet. Okay. Uh, you just kind of simmer in this idea of who God is. And unbeknownst to me at, my, at this time, my brother's going through his deconstruction. Yeah, right. And he's tearing, he's tearing a bunch of stuff down. And so he and I end up having these long conversations. We both end up in the hyper grace movement uh, together. And so I'm like, okay, this, I'm all into this. You know, God loves everybody, period. But just like any movement, it starts to go sideways. And yeah, it's, it's hyper grace is good to a point, right? But there still has to be rules. You still can't, you still can't step outside of the lane. And, but I do, I enter a church, I end up on the worship team. I get, I kind of get grabbed by another church to become their worship leader. And I told them I would do it as long as I get to preach. So I end up preaching in a Baptist church once a month. Wow. And, uh, my brother at the same time is preaching about once a month. So we're watching each other preach. And we have these comments. I was like, I see, I, I see you went there, but then you got up to the line of what you wanted to say and you stepped back. Cause at this time I'm, I'm now toying with this idea of universal reconciliation, universal salvation, but I can't speak on it in church, but I come as close as yeah. I can. Right. The Baptists aren't going to respond well to that. Right. So I'm in there for about two years. I have this moment where I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. I can't do it this way. And I'm, I'm being disingenuous to the people I'm preaching to. So I ask the pastor to meet with me and I tell him that I can't be his associate pastor with the potential of taking over his church when he retires. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to his church because when I take over, I'm changing everything. We're going to become an affirming church. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter will be talked about. Yeah. Uh, uh, all this uh, universal reconciliation will be talked about and your whole church will walk out. I said, that's not fair to you. That's not fair to your congregation. You need to find someone else who fits your mold better. Um, not knowing I actually did this on National Coming Out Day. <laughs> so right. I was coming out of Christianity, right? As opposed to like letting people know about my sexuality. But I was literally coming out of this idea of Christianity. And so I stepped out of that and uh, just decided to do online stuff. And uh, this, became a, this became problematic because... I'm really good at defending my faith with the Bible and using the Bible against the people who use the Bible to hate. Yeah. But at the end of all this, I realize I'm doing the same damn stuff they're doing just from another side. Right. I'm not convincing anybody that they're wrong. All I'm doing is showing that I'm also an asshole and I'm willing to argue and yell and scream and, and put up all these, these Bible verses to t show them how stupid they are. <laughs> so that's where, as I'm doing all this, I realized Lent is coming up and I told my brother and I realized it's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give up the Bible for Lent for Lent. I'm not going to open it. I'm not going to use it. If I want to argue something, if I want to argue a point on any Facebook post that I feel needs to be argued, it's all going to be from my point of view and all from my perspective and my intuition. I will not open the Bible and drop a verse at all. Um, and at the end of Lent, I realized, you know what? I don't, I don't think I need the Bible anymore. I don't. And so I stopped reading it. I just stopped. And then I was like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Cause that's so the I, only, I, that's the only book. <laughs> right. So that's where this idea of this book came from that I wrote, but I started it as a blog and real and halfway through, uh, thought I made a mistake by making it into a blog. I was like, I should have done this as a book. So I reached out to the then owner of choir and I'm like, Hey, I think this is a good idea for a book, but I think I blew it by doing it as a blog. He's like, no, 
Keep going. This is exactly how you should be doing it. A lot of people do it this way now. Yeah. You know, you get, you, you, you actually get a following. And then when the book comes out, they want to buy the book. I'm like, okay. So I just did. And so the idea that I wanted for the blog was I needed somebody alone without access to any biblical text of any kind, any scripture of any kind. And what would happen if he ended up having a conversation with God and he asked all the questions he always had, but there, the, the way it comes out is just a conversation between this supposed divine person and this one person who's alone. And so the blog was a weekly blog of just asking all the questions that I've had over the years about how does God deal with, and then you'll fill in the blank. And that's where the book came about. And, and the book honestly, is called I, RJ and the Astronaut. We'll we'll have links to, in the show yeah. notes, um, and we'll um, get more. But so yeah, yeah. It, as you wrote that the blog, mm-hmm. how how did you decide to represent the the divine um, entity that we'll call it uh, the right. God? Um, yeah, and because it felt like C.S. Lewis, it felt like the style what reminded me of some of C.S. Lewis's you know science fictiony books. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, but yeah. The, how did you decide to give it the voice, the sense of humor, um, the timing? You know, all, all that. What what kind of things went into helping you? Because that's a thing, man. You 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 wrote <laughs> from a from the perspective <laughs> of of God, and it was really compelling too. So, yeah. How did you do that? Well, the first thing, and, and honestly, I didn't realize this for the first few weeks. So, as we were editing this for a book, I had to go back and do it. But one of the first things that I realized as I was writing is I had to take gender out. Mm. Uh, I, uh, I think we are all so caught up in this idea of God as a, as the long white beard man in the sky looks like Gandalf, (laughs) um, that it separates a large group of people from understanding that he can relate or see, I go right there. I said, he, that the divine can relate with them Yeah, because the divine does not look like them. So that was one of the first things I, I, I realized I had to correct. So later on, I start using, you know, they, them, us as the pronouns right. for God. Right. Uh, I wanted God to have a sense of humor because I, I, I think if there was a literal God in the sky, which I don't believe, but I, I can see that God sitting someplace, eye rolling a thousand times a day. With the stuff that it be that's being said about them, yeah, in in their um, name, <laughs> in their name, yeah, um, and to the point where it's going to be kind of this like, do you really think that is that really what you think about us? And so I think it, it instead of coming at it as an angry God, which I don't believe that if there is a God that it would that God would be angry in the sense that we've been taught mm-hmm. that I think they would be sarcastic sometimes. That they would want to like, hey, like let's 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 play a game here, and let's let's get through some of this bullshit. And I so that's that's how I came about with the language that I gave to God. Is I I think God is more of like a uh, this is the God I would sit down and have a cup of coffee with, right, in a coffee shop, and I would feel like they are listening, um, that they really care. Yeah. And sometimes it might come across as sarcastic or. Not belittling, but you know, it's like a good friend, right? When when you say something stupid, your friend's gonna like, dude, that was the dumbest yeah. thing I've ever heard call you, you say. Yeah, yeah, in, and in, not in a, not in a hate, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, and but like, but in real love, right? Because again, those are some words we got to be careful with because 
you know, the church uses that all the time too. Hey, I'm just coming at you with love. And you're yeah. like, bullshit. No, yeah. you're not. This <laughs> you're coming sucks. at me with all the hate. <laughs> yeah, really. This is the love. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're doing this blog and when did you start the, this is not church podcast? So I, when I started the blog, um, and getting this, you know, this character RJ lost in space, I, I, I did it that way so I could let it go as long as I wanted, right? You could be lost in space forever. Forever. Um, yeah. Um, so I literally thought this could go on. But as I got close to the end of the first year, I realized that I had said what I wanted to say. Yeah. And there really wasn't um, – I felt like I was going to start rehashing stuff and it wasn't really going to be productive anymore. So I figured um, I'm going to give it an ending, which, you know, I did. I, I, I wrote an yeah. ending for it. So it, it would have a, a – you know, a definite end, end, end of it. And then I just sat around and at this time, as I'm writing this blog, I am like all into podcasts. You know, I, I started with uh, heretic happy hour, uh, was my introduction into any kind of progressive Christian, um, outside of the box thinking about Christianity, which then, you know, I found other podcasts, um, I'm having a hard time remembering the names because now that I'm podcasting, I have a hard time. I don't have a lot of time to go and listen to podcasts to anymore. Listen to, yeah. 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 Um, but there was, I ended up on any given week listening to about five or six podcasts uh, throughout the week, right? Uh, there are episodes. Luckily, some were bi-weekly, some were weekly. So, you know, it was, it was kind of easy to stay on top of all of them. So as, as the blog is ending, I start realizing, you know, it's like, I think I could do this. I think I could do a podcast. So I reached out to my brother, Nat, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast on this idea that I, okay, this is, this is, it's all garbled in my head. I did try to start a new blog post and the blog post was called, this is not church. Uh -huh. And um, it was, uh, they would be like statements that you hear in church. And then the, the, obviously that this is not church. It would be things like women can't preach. Uh, and I was yeah. like, this is not church. Um, so I was trying to do something like that, but I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to make it work and my sarcasm wasn't coming through. So I actually got, a, uh, when I made a couple of these posts, I got some pretty, uh, pretty big pushback because they thought I was on the side of specifically the one women can't uh, preach. They oh, thought I was saying that. Oh shit. Yeah. So, so my sarcasm, uh, wasn't coming through. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I was like, I, I realized it's like maybe I'm not a good writer when it comes to that type of stuff. I don't, I, I don't know how to put that out correctly and put it into sarcasm. I don't think it's the right word. I think it's uh, satire. 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 Right? Yeah. Right. You needed to um, put the upside down smiley face emoji. Is what I'm told. Is. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, my satire wasn't working. So I was like, apparently, I don't know how to write this very well. So that's when I went to my brother and I was like, Hey, Nat, let's. What do you think about doing a podcast? And he was like, Okay, whatever. And uh, it wasn't until we like literally started that um, I realized that he was like, he was like 50% in at mm. the beginning. Um, and, uh, and, and he says this, it's not anything that I'm like, I'm like, I'm shedding any light on this, that uh, he wasn't like really a hundred percent in cause he wasn't really sure how it was going to work. And so I started building the website, started getting all the information we needed to use, you know, what information, what we needed to, to do the podcast. I tried to edit the first five episodes myself, realized that that's, that's way more work than I want to do. We were lucky enough to find a really good editor through, I don't know if you know, um, Jason Elam from Messy Spirituality Podcast. Mm -mm. Uh, but he was taking a break from his podcast. He's like, Hey, my editor is going to need some work. Do you want to reach out to him? 
So we did, and that, that was an amazing decision of, on our part. And as we started reaching out to what Nat and I considered some of our heroes within the deconstructing faith, thinking we might get like a 20% yes on people wanting to come onto the podcast, we were just blown away. We were getting like 100% yeses. And to the point where we're like, uh, we have enough backlog for like three months already from the from the yeses we got. And um, from the beginning, my brother and I both decided that we wanted to do this in obviously an unscripted, uh, casual, uh, just the way we talk to each other. Right. Yeah. So my brother is the, the more comedic. Uh, yeah. He's he's definitely the, the, the funny man. I'm the straight man. Uh, he likes to he likes to, you know, like dig at me a little bit. Um, and I give him some like really oddball you know, responses to it. And it has just been phenomenal. Uh, the people that we've got to talk to, the information that we've been able to get out there. And how people have responded to the podcast. Um, we're in our third year now. Um, and we just hit, uh, you know, I hate talking about milestones, but you know, we just, just not too back, not too far back, hit our hundred thousand downloads. So um, we're, yeah. you know, we're pretty, we're pretty, pretty excited that people are are connecting with us. We have a, a private Facebook group. We have an open Facebook group connected to the to the uh, to, to the podcast. We have four hundred people in our in our private group. And they know it's a safe place to ask questions Yeah. as they are also going through this journey of, you know, how the hell do I navigate these thoughts I have about who God is, who God isn't, and do I even believe in this person anymore or this divinity thing? Yeah. Um, and it's a safe place to challenge that. You know, I, you know, I'm very open that on a good day, I'm, ag I'm agnostic. On a bad day, I'm an atheist. Yeah. Um, and that's probably where I'm going to live for the rest of my life. Um, like we talked about me following the Buddha for a while. I really, in, um, so within, within the Buddha faith, you know, Buddha, the Buddha was a Bodhisattva, right? He was, he's somebody who has decided that, yeah, I have reached enlightenment, but I'm going to stay on this, on this, in this realm and I'm going to help teach. And so what was open and was, was available to me from that is I could then say, Jesus is also a Bodhisattva. You know, Desmond Tutu is a Bodhisattva. Hmm. Thich Nhat Hanh is a Bodhisattva. Um, Martin Luther King is a Bodhisattva. These are people who are here to help us move forward within our love of one another and love of the divine. And so I would call, I, when people ask me if I'm a Christian, I'm like, I ask two questions and usually I can, by the first one is like, what do you think Christianity is? And more <laughs> yeah, often than not, I'm like, the no, term. yeah. Right. Yeah. And more often than not, I'm like, no, I'm not that. Not that. But am I a Jesus follower? Yes. Hmm. But I would be a Jesus follower if you took away all the miraculous stuff. Take away the virgin birth. Take away the resurrection. Take away the miracles. Just give me what he taught, and I would still follow Jesus. And that's why I, that's why I think someone like Jesus is important. Yeah. Um, and so, but that also scares the living daylights out of most conservative Christians. He's like, well, you can't yeah. take away all that. That then, then who are you following? As I'm following the person who told me to love my enemies. I'm following the person yeah. who told me to love the other, take care of the widow, take care of the poor. That's and the that's, person I follow. And that's the part that they're not okay with. <laughs> right. In right. General. Yeah. Yeah. There, or I mean, or yeah. there's major conditions on the, 
on who, yes. who they're yes. supposed to care about and love and, and yeah. Well, and that was, that was my issue with uh, any church that quote unquote says that they, they would allow um, um, anybody from the LGBTQIA plus community into their church. Yeah. It's like, well, we love everybody. And I was like, yes, but it's always, I, I, I love you, but, or I love yeah. you and right. And yeah. it's, I love you, but until you change who you are, you will never be able to be in the worship team. You'll never be able to right. run Sunday school. You'll never be able to preach. You'll never be. And there's a whole, you won't even be able to stand at the door and hand out pamphlets. Right. Right. You can sit in a pew and be quiet and, and, and try to figure out the air of your ways. Right. But once you do that and you acknowledge that to us, then maybe we will really love you. Yeah. And, and to a degree, they do that to anyone who isn't, yep. who hasn't checked all the boxes of, of right. behavior and faith and, um, politics yeah. Um, well yeah, it, yeah. That, yeah i was i was actively in church as um as 45 was doing what he was doing and um i sat in church and looking around and we're not talking about it the horrific things he said the horrific things he did um i was out of church by the insurrection thank god because i don't know if i would have been able to handle that silence Oh, that, gosh. that probably would have been devastating. And I, and I guarantee yeah. you in the churches I was at, it was silent or it yeah. was, we need to pray for or, the people who got hurt and then let's move on. Yeah. Or support for, uh, or yes. Uh, yeah. Which would um, also suck. Um, yeah. But within that, within that realm of the, you know, within the realm of the conservative church, right. They are the, they are the church of law and order. They are the, they are the ones right. that, that, um, that have the thin blue line stickers on their, on their <laughs> yeah. cars. And yeah. then as these, these MAGA supporters go into the Capitol and are beating police officers. said officers. <laughs> yeah. And their answer is, well, they, they weren't, they weren't really, they weren't really there to, de to, to defend. They were there on some liberal agenda. Right. And that's your permission to go after the same people who you said you honor and you, and you trust and you obey and that we right. don't. Yeah. Right. You know, us on the liberal side, we don't. And we're the right. ones standing, standing and saying, you you literally killed one of them, yeah, and you harmed multiple of them, yeah, yeah, and it's that, yeah that thin blue line got a lot thinner <laughs> that day. Yes, yes, and, you know, thank God there were officers there who were willing to speak up and say, hey, you know, because what was it like? What five days, two two days later, they're already trying to like spin this as to not yeah. not a conservative thing that this was yeah this was, was Antifa that was the FBI was, was in um, right yeah, but yeah, I mean. It's all of this kind of stuff that makes me, you know, I'm a hundred percent, okay, ninety nine point nine percent positive. I will never step back into a church. Um, yeah, and it's and and I and I don't say this to tell people that they shouldn't be in church. I don't. Um, on in a lot of ways, I really have a lot of respect for people who can hold on to that kind of faith and um, and find joy in it. There is part of me that misses it. That I miss that be able to sit in a in a, in a congregation of a bunch of people who, for the most part, think like you and um, are praising the same God that you are. Um, but at the same time, there are some blindfolds on, right? Sure. Um, that they're re they really all aren't. But you could pretend for a Sunday service that you had all these people around you, and I yeah. in a way, in a weird way, I do kind of miss it. But. Now, C.S. Lewis, who John mentioned, uh, he mentioned reading Mere Christianity. 
But I just got to say, uh, knowing what I know, which is not very much, um, I don't think there's ever been a more beloved and more derided writer of Christian faith. Like ever. I once co-chaired a national C.S. Lewis conference while I was at APU. And goddamn, one panel, it was the panel on, on his theology, had a former guest, Craig Boyd, arguing with a couple of the Biola dickheads. But, because they were just so patronizing and they were dickheads. But one thing they all agreed on was that Lewis was not a great theologian. I mean, they debated to which to what degree. But, yeah, I've heard it all. And honestly, don't really care. But I do see the influence that Lewis has had on American culture. I mean, who doesn't love the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Uh, besides Tolkien. Um, but John didn't stay in that mere Christianity space for long. As you heard, he appreciates what Jesus said. And he appreciates what a lot of people have said. As long as the words spoken lead people toward goodness for everyone. Today's evangelical kind of hates the world outside of their bubble. It's what they're taught. They're taught to hate it. And people like John and his brother Nat have a deep love for the world. And as you'll hear, they've educated themselves to the point where they're willing to decenter themselves as straight white men to understand the lives and experiences of other people. That's so epic. And to me, if there is something divine in this universe, it's there. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there. I don't, I don't see it as a long lasting option anymore. I, I really think, you know, with COVID, you know, a lot of the churches had to shut down. Uh, I think that was a very big opening for a lot of lot, wide awake opening for a lot of people that I don't really need to do this every yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. And, and maybe it's better to bounce around. Maybe it is better. You know, there are there are churches who I think do it very well. Sure. My issue is as soon as you put a bunch of people into a building that you have to finance. Yeah. And you have to take care of. Yeah. And you have to create groups and you have to because if, if God forbid you get too big that you there's no way you know everybody. So then you have to create small groups. And who's monitoring all the small groups and who's paying for the, the, the cookies and the coffee and maintenance of these of these buildings that 
the idea of a church to help the poor and the and the and the unhealthy and and the widow and all that where there's no money for that anymore right you know i've had friends who tried to do those types of churches right over all the money went to helping and yeah. the congregation gets bored of putting that money into that <laughs> I was going to say, they, maybe it's not the money issue, it's the will. <laughs> to Yeah, to, exactly. That's exactly it. It's, uh, it. The money the money will dry out because, like Jesus says, there will always be poor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is our, our goal is to end that, right? But I don't see that happening in my lifetime or my kid's lifetime. So it's, a, it's an arduous, ongoing process of taking care of people who need you to help them. And at some point, I feel like every church gets a little jaded. And like I, I don't have yeah. money for these people anymore, and so yeah. as long as church is in a building, I, I just don't see it that it, it will work. Oof, yeah, man, uh, you're you're preaching preaching to the choir here, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I, these are all things thoughts that I have also had, and so I yeah. really appreciate like yeah your willingness to to do this. So <clears throat> real quick, we'll talk about your book, and um, I have questions, and I'm not I'm going to try not to give any spoilers. Okay. I'll ask them in terms of, uh, so in throughout the book, and and it factors large in the ending, you have um, sort of a supernatural occurrence that keeps mm-hmm. happening in the form of lights. Yeah. Now, don't not asking you what they are, but I'm asking, do you have in your mind what that is, or or was that just sort of one of the mysteries of the universe kind of thing? Uh, I think I, uh, yeah, I, I know what they are. Okay. Um, um, and you just say to, that, Yeah. I'll just say this, and, and as people read it, I think they would understand this. The vastness of our universe, it leaves a lot that we don't understand. Okay, good. That, that's kind of what I was thinking as yeah. I got to the end and wanting to figure out some of the the things that you, you left throughout there that, that weren't yeah. exactly, you know, I, I appreciate that you didn't wrap everything up in a nice bow for, you know, right. There's a little bit of this ambiguity life goes on kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then, so who, who is your, who are you writing this to? Who are you hoping will read this and um, really interrogate this idea of the divine and the meaning of life and, and the purpose of religion. Um, yeah. Who, who are you writing to? Well, I, you know, I think, you know, first and foremost, I wrote it for myself um, because it was cathartic to ask, finally be able to have the freedom to ask these questions that for years and years and years, I felt like I couldn't ask out loud. You know, I've had these questions in my brain since childhood. Obviously some of them are, are more adult related and the, the, you know, the questions have become bigger and bigger. But I honestly, I, I'm writing it for the people who feel like they're stuck um, and can't ask questions because I've been shocked specifically within the podcast of the responses that we've gotten from people who said, I literally thought I was the only one who thought that. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that that we all are in that in that situation where we feel like when we're questioning our faith and we're questioning the divine, that we feel like we're the only ones because church has this bad habit of making sure that everyone just says that they're fine, right? I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. 
but we're not fine. None of yeah. us are fine. We're well, all you're supposed we're all, to be fine. <laughs> right. Right. So we all have put on like uh, John Lynch, who's one of my heroes within the faith. Uh, he talks about wearing these masks. Right. And as long as you have the mask on, the real you can't find love, can't find connection. You have yeah. to tear down this mask until and then when that's when you that's when you can give and receive love. So. Like I said, with the podcast, I'm just shocked to find out how many people feel this way. I've had these questions and have been, I have had people who I've known from my past who are, I won't name names because I don't want to put anybody, but I've had like the daughter of a pastor of a church that I went to, and it was a very, very conservative church, reach out to me and say, I didn't know who to ask these questions. My child is gay and I don't know who to talk to about this stuff. Thank you wow. for having, having these really hard conversations. Yeah. Um, so that's who it's for. Uh, and, and it could be anyone who's still in church, out of church, has no real connection to God at all, but still has these questions. I think any of these people can find some solace in the way that RJ and this supposed divine person speak to each other. Yeah. Um, I know it's not for everybody. I know there's going to people, I do talk about some very, um, you know, touchy subjects. Um, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not, not known that I am a, uh, that I am a universalist. So obviously universalism comes into my book. Um, it's not, not known that I am affirming, you know, uh, so obviously that's going to be in the book. Um, I, you know, I'm very political when it comes to things like black lives matter, um, the BIPOC community. So obviously yeah. that's going to show up because these are questions that I think as a middle-aged cisgender white man, I can ask it and um, be willing to sometimes look stupid. And I, and I feel like that's something that we need to do sometimes. I'd say that's more of the podcast. I hope I, I hope I did better in the book, yeah. but you know, there have been moments yeah. in the podcast where I, I do ask a stupid question. Um this was off air, but we were talking to, um, I can't remember her name. She wrote a book called, um, God is a black woman. And I think that's the name of it. I, I loaded out. So I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't have it. But what, one of the, one of the things I said off air was like, um, I had a really hard time reading your book. And yeah. she said, good. It's because it's not meant for you. And that was one of those moments. It was like, Ooh. So as a white middle aged man, we do have a, have a bad habit of centralizing everything around us. Because we are so, it, nothing, nothing is ever brought about us that we can't, we can't circumvent, we can't move around and just move on with our life. Um, so, it's those moments where um, I realize that you know I still have a long way to go, um, but I hope that this book helps others see that there's there is a light at the end of all this where we all can maybe have a better understanding of who the divine is and, and our connection to the divine and, and be okay with it being that maybe I'm not even sure there is one and that all I'm hearing is just my intuition, which again, the church tells us that we can't trust, right? Right. We can't trust our heart. We can't trust our own mind, uh, which I also want to break down. That's another reason why, there is no biblical text. This is just a conversation. And even if you want to say that the divine isn't there, and this is all in RJ's head, I still say that these questions are answered in a way that helps him move forward. Mm-hmm. 
And it says you can trust your brain. You can trust your intellect. You can, you can trust your heart. Yeah. And I'm okay with that being the, the result of someone saying at the end of the book, I made the decision. My decision is that there is no divine. This is just a, this is just a man end up having a conversation with himself. Mm -hmm. And I would be, I'd be like, okay, good. That worked for you. Awesome. I love it. That's yeah. amazing. So that's, hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> it did. And then some, and, um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll yes and the black author who said it wasn't for you because I think you're the you admitting that it was hard to read meant that it kind of was for you <laughs> right you're, you're yeah. meant you're meant to wrestle with it you're you're you, right. it's good that because it, it was challenging your worldview um that maybe right. in ways that maybe you didn't even previously understand so so yeah um I really appreciate your perspective, man, and, and your brothers. You know, I really appreciate how you ask questions and are willing to listen and learn and decenter yeah. um, the identities that, you know, you, you, through no fault of your own, and just were born into as a cis, het, uh, white male. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> but you're doing everything that, that you don't have to do. Society doesn't ask you to step down from that or to, to decenter that. And yet, you and your right. brother are. And so I just really appreciate that about you and your brother and your podcast, uh, This Is Not Church, and, and the book as well. So um, last thought. <clears throat> okay. In, you, miss, you said you miss church and being in congregations, but don't you sometimes feel that when you're in, the, in watching a concert <laughs> of your, your favorite band and everyone's singing along yes. to like your favorite yes. songs? Like to me that, that, scratches that itch and so it was like yeah i'm if so, i do miss church i feel like i feel that in the community of of music and other things it's funny you should say that because you know um living in a very small area you know humboldt county in itself is only like one hundred fifty thousand people the whole mm -hmm. county so the the largest city is eureka which has like twenty eight thousand people so we don't get a lot of shows here so um to go to shows, I normally have to go out of the area. So I don't make it to a lot of shows. Okay. And it is something that I, uh, I'm not going to say it's a new year's resolution, but, um, I was talking to my wife. I was like, we need to go see more bands mm. or artists this yeah. coming year. If it is, you know, if, if it's something local or if we could, if it's something that's drivable in a day. Yeah. So, um, I already, I already bought tickets for one show. I'm going to go see government mule in, uh, February. I'm actually taking my son, um, but you're right. Uh, I took my youngest son a few years ago now. We went and saw Bruce Coburn, hmm. um, who has been one of my heroes since I was. It's kind of weird, right? Uh, so when I was younger, I liked people like Bob Dylan and Bruce Coburn and Neil Young because yeah. I thought they were rebellious, right? They were rebellious. Yeah. And then in my later years now, I look at their, their artistry and their lyrics. And now I'm like, I like you because you speak the truth. You're willing to speak the truth. Which is a kind of and rebellion. So I wanted to, yeah. And so I took my son to go see Bruce Coburn. He was literally the youngest person in the audience. Yeah, I was going to say. And, uh, but uh, I put I put on a bunch of his music as we drove um, from our house to the place where the show was. And coincidence, luck, every single song we heard, he played. Oh shit! Nice. And then he had a new yeah. album. He had a new album coming out, so obviously he played that too. But all the yeah. songs my son heard on the way, he he played, and so he already had like a quick connection to them, right? So he's 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 enjoying the music. He's a great great performer. And yeah, you're right. Those because again, you're in a you're in a group of people, all 
there for a purpose. You're all like-minded. Uh, you yeah. might not have the same reasons, right? right. Like when I, I've seen Government Mule before, uh, they do a song called Soul Shine, which is just like, I, I love that song. And the guy, the friend of mine that I went with, he's like, Hey, I heard that they're not doing soul shine on this tour. And I was just devastated. Oh, and, and like late into the second set, the, the organist starts playing and I recognize it right away. And both my friend and I jump straight up <laughs> and start screaming because yeah. it's, it's soul shine. And we sang along for the whole thing. So yeah. And, um, I would agree with that a hundred percent that. And, and maybe that I overstated the, the, the favorite band thing. Cause even, I'll be sitting in a like a little jazz bar and some pianist is just going off. And oh, then yeah. you just yeah. you just sort of look look at around you at the people and you exchange that moment of like, oh shit, this is amazing. And you yeah. acknowledge each other in that moment. And you, yeah. it's not gonna last. It's a finite moment. And you may never get it back. But just having that experience of bonding over with people in a room with live music sort of being the bonding agent um, to me is like really cool. Yeah. There was a, this wasn't live music. It was recorded music, but my daughter and I were in San Francisco in little Italy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had just got ourselves a cup of coffee at this place called hole in wall coffee. It was literally a hole in the wall. And then there's this little park and inside within the park looking one way, there's a big Catholic cathedral. And if you look the other way, there's an Italian club. And then, so we're sitting in the park and I'm like, I'm just having this moment, right? Where I'm taking pictures of this beautiful cathedral church because it is really pretty. I look over here. I literally see a mobster get out of a car and go into the Italian. I'm like, that is like the, like the ultimate mafia guy right there. I'm like showing her. And then I, but then on top of that, I start hearing this, um, like Asian melodic music, right? Yeah. Cause it's right near China. So I look, right. So I look over here. And there's a bunch of older ladies all dressed the same doing Tai Chi. Yeah. And I don't know if it would have caught my attention because I've seen this before, right? This isn't anything that I have not seen before. But right behind them all is a homeless man doing Tai Chi with them. Oh, yeah. Move by move, exactly correct. Everything they're doing, he's doing with them. So obviously he's done this with them before. And so this for me was a divine moment because I was like, there's this random homeless guy with these older ladies and they don't even care that he's there. Yeah. Right. He's, he's not being accepted into the group, but he's not being kicked away either. Right. Mm. And so it's like, that's, that's a holy moment too. Yeah. Because he may or may not know what, what this, what these movements mean to the women, but it means something to him enough that he's learned how to do it. Yeah. And so these are all like, I have these little moments, right? That yeah. make me say, okay, we are connected on a much deeper level than even what the church says. Because yep. I think sometimes the yep. church gives us a superficial level mm-hmm. of how we're connected and it doesn't allow us to, um, I have better connections with people that I've been willing to talk openly about my, my misgivings of faith and to talk to them about their faith. Yeah, I have a, I have a, a very close Muslim friend that I work with, uh, we have amazing conversations about faith. Yeah. I have a Native American friend who's Nez Perce and uh, his faith is so important to him. And so we've had like very in-depth conversations about, and I feel a better connection through them to, to, to some form of the divine than I do sitting in a church being told how to act and how to be. And, um, 
asked to put money in the plate. Yeah, and who to hate. Yeah, and who to hate. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. So, um, we'll put we'll put links to the podcast and your book in the show notes. And yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. And yeah, good yeah, luck with the book you. launch. The itch, this episode should be coming up right before the book comes out. So, we'll okay. encourage people to, to pre-order it and buy it when it comes out. So, Thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate you. having this conversation. I loved it. Loved it all. Many thanks to John Turney for doing time on chapel probation. Be sure to order his book, RJ the Astronaut, and definitely check out the podcast, This Is Not Church. There's a reason their podcast is such a hit with so many people. There are many reasons, really, but for me, listening to two dudes really interrogating their religious pasts while finding their way forward with openness and curiosity while honoring everyone's identities that's golden. So there's just a couple more episodes in this season three of Chapel Probation. Uh, we'll take a little break and then we'll have more content and collaborations ahead in 2024. But for now, we'll be back with another episode. And so everyone have a great week. <laughs>